Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Blue Room. Welcome to the transfer show. And no, it's not Mick Greenall joining me this <laughs> week. Uh, you all thought he'd retired from Everton. You all thought him walking away would coincide with Yerry Mina. Uh, he would rock up maybe on a Fiorentina podcast somewhere this season. But alas, he is here. He couldn't stay away. It is Rob Vera. Rob, how are you? Uh, I'm well, brother. How are you? Good, mate. Good. Uh, it's 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 unerringly close now, isn't it? Them being back again. Yeah, right. yeah, and it's weird because of uh, our scheduling difficulties, which have mostly re- probably revolved. I mean, combination of of you know you you being a new dad, and and I've had work and travel and and I think I thought we would be having this quote as you like to put it in quotes uh last podcast uh you know close more to the end of the season like I thought we'd be having an end of the season discussion and here we are less than two weeks was it less than two weeks now god I've lost track how many days how many, 10 days many, it is isn't it? yeah just, god no, it's like, not is it we play on the 11th is it yeah I've yeah, tried so, to I've tried to almost ignore the uh, impending doom of a new Everton season, and and yet here it is. Uh, and so we're talking almost like it almost feels like season preview, but I know it's uh, transfer pot. I guess we can talk about a little of everything, but uh, yeah, it's a little bizarre. But hey, as I said, um, I don't think re- I think retire is the wrong word. I don't think I ever said retire. By the way, uh, even though I've appreciated all the Tom Brady memes you've sent my way, um, it's. Like I said, it's a it's a sabbatical, and uh, and hey, uh, this will give me the bandwidth I need to um, to really invest my heart in uh, my longtime love for Fiorentina, and <laughs> um, you know it's going to be the Italian league. I mean, I, I didn't I didn't talk about it much, but you know I've, I've all you know Yeri and I had a long discussion about this move, and we felt like it was for the best, and. Uh, you know, so I think it's I think it's going to work out well for both of us. But I'll be back. I'm sure I'll be back on the blue room if if I'm invited uh, sometime after after this uh, next season for sure. You, you won't be able to stay away when we when we win our first four games in a row on the top of the table. <laughs> you'll be itching to get back on. Like get get me on to talk about this Ashley Young inspired dream. Oh yeah. Well, the problem is I know the starting eleven we're going to be putting out for those four first four games. So I. I you know, if we if we win if we win the first, I tell you what, Matt, I'll, I'll make you a deal uh, <laughs> because I'm so confident that it won't happen. If we win our first four games, I will I will cancel cancel the sabbatical, and I will beg you to get on, and I will tell everyone I was wrong, and that Sean Dyche is the greatest manager <laughs> in, in Everton history. Sorry. No. It's not a terrible first four games, so I'm probably putting myself at risk here, but I don't see us winning four. We 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 struggled. When's the last time Everton won three in a row, Matt? Like, I, I don't even remember the last time Everton won three in a row. Would it have been 
under Angelotti at the start of his first full season when he won eight in a row. Yeah, it has to be. And did we win eight in a row, or we un- unbeaten won eight, eight in a row in, in all competitions? Didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And and Carlo ain't walking through that door anytime soon. So uh, yeah, and 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 we frankly had better players, even though back then I'm sure we didn't think that. But you know, uh, yeah, that's uh, wow. Three and four in a row. That would be quite a feat. But yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. We're playing Fulham in eight days. I can't believe that. Can't yeah, believe. We've, we've got Fulham at home, Villa, Villa away, Wolves at home, Sheffield United away are our first four. I think Villa's the one that, I mean, the big stumbling block there, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, those, see, that's the thing. And how many times have we done this where we, occasionally have had this kind of what we would refer to as a somewhat soft start to the season or or a somewhat persuadable start to where we can persuade ourselves into thinking hey this is this is a good opportunity and yet i those four it sounds very feasible for a, an average side to win those four matches i just I'm so it's so it's like my body resists it the way that you wouldn't put your your hand on a hot stove. I can't <laughs> I can't bring myself to even call us winning four matches in a row to start a season uh, as feasible. But hey, weirder things have happened. It's just that whenever we say stuff like that, whenever we say, hey, weirder things have, have, have happened, like when we like when some bottom of the league team goes rocks up to Anfield and wins or something we're like, hey, weird things happen, but they never happen to us. Like I'm waiting for us to finally do something weird, <laughs> weird. And no, wonderful. No, I, I think going to Brighton and winning 5-1 was our, our weird thing. Yeah, I know. And it was awesome. I loved that. It was the highlight of the season. And and at the same time, it's still like it's Brighton. And, you know, in a season where we still had to get in, go into the last day to not get relegated. But whatever. Uh, let's talk. Let's move forward. Let's yeah. talk about this well, season. Yeah, I think it's it's obvious that you, you, to put it lightly, you have some misgivings about the team then as we as we go towards <laughs> the start of the campaign. And listen, the I don't think anyone listening to this would disagree when I say there are holes in the squad, um, yeah. but there are some very big holes in the squad as well. Yeah. And looking ahead to that game and, of course, the window, you know, it's got 29 days until it's shut, so the squad will likely look a lot different on September the 1st than it does now. Um, but, but right now, with the squad we've got, how are you feeling about it with the, obviously, the, Tongue-in-cheek, you mentioned Mina's departure. We've lost Connor Cody and Tom Davis has also gone as well. We brought in Ashley Young and Dan Juma. Um, how do you feel about the squad? And, and I suppose a question I asked on the weekly this week, is Everton's squad better now than it was at the end of last season? Yeah, I heard you and uh, you, Warren and Adam, uh, having this discussion. And I, I think that I think you were all pretty spot on. Um I think the most optimistic view of that is that it's a push. And I think that that's a pretty optimistic view, to be honest. Um, Especially when if we're, and again, I think we're talking about the squad on paper versus, and by the way, it's gone really eerily quiet on the Dwight McNeil front in terms of how injured he is. There's some rumblings about, you know, the status of that. And then you have Damari Gray uh, apparently, close to heading out the door. So, but let's just put that aside for a second. Let's just say on paper, the squad includes Damari Gray, includes Dwight McNeil. Um, Mina's absence, Mina's, the, the loss of Mina, which had, was long expected. I think that Everton had been planning to lose Gary Mina for the better part of the last year. So it's not like they didn't see that coming. Um you you subtract that because and, and by the way, I think we all need to kind of acknowledge that um, we got a long, long look at a Tarkovsky keen partnership and we all saw how that worked. And so now what's the difference? Is it just that uh, hope? It sounds very hope is a plan like, well, yeah, they haven't played in a while, so maybe they're well rested. Maybe that's the idea: is that they're well rested in good condition. That'll be a good partnership. I I have been 
screaming for a center half uh, reinforcement this summer that I still think is needed, primarily because I think that that is the best platform for Jared Branthwaite to succeed is for him to be in a position where he's part of a three-man rotation at the center half position, gives him a chance to not have all the pressure put on him to either start or, in this case, be in a position which I fear, which is that the the manager will continue to make excuses for why he persists with Keane, doesn't play Branthwaite, and then Branthwaite gets to a point in January where he wants to get out the door because he does have – he's been playing in Champions League. He's got admirers. So the loss of Mina, um, the fact that we haven't – I mean, we're about to sign – allegedly a, a 19 year old striker who by all accounts is, Hey, the kind of signing that, that we need, you know, we need to be making these kinds of signings. I totally agree with that. But I think it's a bit disingenuous to argue that moves the needle much. Um, then you have the midfield that has lost Tom Davis, which is just more of a squad depth issue. And, you know, I think you can, t- I can take or leave Tom Davis in terms of the talent part of that equation you bring Dan Juman so I think that in the forward areas you can make the argument if we're including Dwight McNeil and Damari Gray for right now which I think that 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 could be very different here in a few days um I think that with the addition of Dan Juma you could maybe argue we're incrementally you know we're marginally better in the attack which hey any attacking improvement is great um but the fact that the manager had to finally swallow his pride and bench Michael Keane and bring in Yerry Mina, who whose performances, I think, I don't, I, this is not hyperbole to say, were key to us just barely surviving. Um, well, we used to talk about this with Lukaku all the time, and I'm not comparing them as players, but I'm comparing them in terms of you lose a talented player at a really key position. What have you done to replace that player? Well, we've done nothing to replace. Gary Mina, we've done nothing to replace a center half. We've literally just gone in and said, you know, we're going into the season it, by all accounts and going in and saying, well, Godfrey and Holgate and Keen and Tarkovsky are enough. And yes, there's this idea that I feel like we've heard for the better part of three, three years of, well, Holgate, uh, he's for sale and maybe someone will buy him. But I, I'll believe that when I see it. No one has ever bought Mason Holgate. No one ever has seemed to be eager to buy him. And, and why would they? He's not very good. Uh, ben Godfrey is probably because of the other bad spending we've done has flown under the radar as one of the biggest transfer busts of the last half decade at Everton. We paid a premium price for him and outside of, of some few jiffable tackles, uh, he's not really a center half and he's not been good at any position he's played in. And, and so there's right now, there's just a lot of hope as a plan hope that the manager and his staff uh, are so good that they can get these players to be, you know, enough better. The question is, is that even if these guys are the best management and coaching sides in the world, which they're clearly not, but let's say that they're just really solid and good, which that's fine. Are that, is that enough to, to get the sort of improvements? Like, like, you know, when you, when a guy's 30, like Michael Keene, it's, it's rare that you suddenly, he suddenly like something clicks and like, Oh, I've been playing this game for 10 years and now I've figured out how to get good. That's, you know, like, I think that's where I'm worried about. So the quote for right now, no, we are not better. I think that only optimistically you could say it's a push, but we're not better. I do expect there to be signings. I do. Well, (laughs) you know, insert your own joke here, Matt. I expect there to be signings. But um, in addition to the kid from Porto, uh, who our, our man Keith calls Cat Stevens, which is a Yusef Islam joke, which I think is is really funny about the folk singer Cat Stevens, who changed his name to Yusef. For those who don't know, I just want to make sure that no one thinks I'm making a, a tasteless joke. Um, you know, is it Shari? How do you how do you pronounce his name? Is it Shariti? I think Shumi Shumi yeah Shumi. I'm speaking, I'm speaking to a Portuguese football journalist about him. In fact, by the time this goes out, that will be out. So okay. I'm, yeah, I will Perfect. know by then. <laughs> it's yeah. too late now. I'm going to call him Youssef for now. Look, uh, hey, love signing a young, talented kid. We need this. I, we also need to develop him. We also need to have the requisite patience. But I think that the links to Shea Adams are there for a reason. Um, we simply cannot go into a season relying on Do- Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, we 
we've seen how that has worked out. Um, if, if he stays, if he goes on a run of health, what a, what a bonus that would be. Uh, because when on his on his day, when he's when he's fit, he's he's a really good fit for this system and for for Everton. Um, to me, a guy like Shea Adams, who is never going to inspire probably inspire a ton of songs about him he's not it doesn't get your blood pumping but he's a guy that's just going to go in there and score you know 9 10 11 goals a season and just put in a shift and he's the that you need Everton just need guys who they can count on some baseline level of production from and so whether it's Shea Adams or it's uh, Ian Acho or it's some other kind of uh you know Antonio and Mikel Antonio, just I, I'm I'm a little I I really love a striker who's on the the good side of thirty if possible if I get a choice so that's why I'd prefer Shea Adams or Ian Acho. But look, Everton have to know that that it's just an untenable situation to you know bring in a 19 year old kid and expect him to deputize. What he needs is opportunities in cup games, but also opportunities to come on as a sub late and, and influence games, you know, and, and to develop. I'm one of those people that absolutely says, play your young guys, let them go through their bumps, et cetera. That's great. I also think, though, that from a when it comes to a striker position that has been so almost non-existent at Everton, you just simply have to have guys that can score goals when when the lack of goals have really been the most direct cause to Everton's relegation threatened threatened issues for the last few seasons. So I'm really hopeful that 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 part gets done. I would love to see a center half come in. Uh, I'd love to see Holgate move on uh, or or. But I don't think anyone's paying for Godfrey or, or, you know, maybe Holgate at a very cheap rate. I don't know because his contract's running down. But it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they address these last few days. We're probably not talking about midfield. As, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I feel okay about the midfield. But anyone who says they feel great about it, I think, are forgetting kind of how underwhelming the midfield's been. So Everton can't address all these holes in one, one offseason in one window. I, I don't know how many times we can say that. But it would be nice if they started addressing some of these things, and they're going to need to if they want to avoid uh, a repeat of the last two seasons. Uh, we're all hoping for a glorious 14th place boring season. I think that's what we're all kind of hoping for at this point. Yeah, that'll be awesome. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Absolute bliss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the center box is. <laughs> I kind I kind of get it why you know obviously we've got no money the striker issue is a big one I think we need two coming in there before we really you know if you're writing down whatever's a need to do in terms of positions in the transfer window I still think it's centre forward number one centre forward number two then you know you go to to, to centre back because it, it has been that much of a problem for us but like I feel like we do this sometimes when the team isn't playing and we're not watching these players week in, week out. And we look at the squad and go, well, you know, player X with a full preseason under manager X, getting fitter under manager X, yeah, in a better yeah. setup. They're they're gonna be better. And and very, very rarely, I think, does does that change. You know, players right. you know, certainly players like you said there who were you were the same age as Keane, who've played as much, as much football as Keane. Um, listen, I, I appreciate that Dyche knows him well. The manager clearly had support in him and, and had faith in him up to a point last season where it just became quite calamitous, didn't it? And he, he, he sort of had to take him off the team, although it still kind of came as a surprise when he did. But it, it, it just sort of feels like one of those situations. And and again, this is obviously on the basis that the club have got money to, to go out and get a centre-back, but I can just I can just see us now, Rob, in January when you've when you've ended your retirement from the blue room and we're doing a transfer pod and we're saying, well, in the summer, we said we said this would happen. We 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 said that the centre back position was was not 
not going to be good enough. We said that the Bramthwaite may not get enough games. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of them. It's it's a bit like the inverse of last summer in terms of positions when we said that, that about a centre forward. And we all we all kind of sat there on deadline day and gone, mm, they're a forward like there. But we've got Cody and Tarkovsky and Anana and I, I didn't in fairness, Matt. I think I was one of the dissenting voices who said, No, I don't think this was a great uh, a good window. I because I think a lot of people were sort of qualifying it as well. We really could have used getting a striker in, but hey, let's let's yeah. look at all the progress we've made. And it turned out we didn't really make that much progress. I will give them that McNeil came in and and I think played pretty well overall, though he had some some drought stretches for sure. But I mean, for for what our expectations of him were, I think he played very well. Um, I think that Onana had the kind of season that a 20 year old first time in the Premier League type player coming from a lower league is going to have. And, and, and I don't, and, and which, which is, which is, sorry to interrupt, but which is kind of a lesson with the lad we're going to sign now, isn't it? Exactly. And, and so, but, but look, the need was so glaring, but it happened not only in the summer, it happened in January where the need was so clear and yet we didn't address it. So I, you know, I'll believe this kid is signed when I actually see him signed, but all the indications are currently good. I think that that another but but I think that that's not nearly enough. It just it's look, I've I've dispensed with this notion that we're going to sign a bunch of exciting wingers and, you know, revolutionize this attack. And I mean, Sean Dyche plays the kind of football he plays, but. I, what I do expect, though, is that they've got to have the guy in place that can come in and start games and stay fit when Calvert-Lewin probably somewhat inevitably misses two months. It's it's just, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's the same reason we talked about Mina's departure being somewhat inevitable. And, you know, as big a fan of him as I was, it was a good exit for both of them, but primarily because you could not take in the current the club's current fiscal position, the re- financial risk of re-signing a guy who would have better offers out in the marketplace um, because you knew that the risk of him not being fit the history told you that that was the case. And so I think the right decision was made there. I think that you look at Calvert-Lewin, it's the same thing. It's, Hey, I hope he's fit. It'd be great if he's fit. Imagine how many more places higher in the table Everton could be this season. If Calvert-Lewin was available for 65% of the games, like that's not even a ridiculous number by historical standards but let's say he was healthy for that much I think Everton's ceiling is certainly much higher at that point but that is there's nothing when you take the position of striker which look you've seen Lukaku fall off a cliff too I mean I think that you know there are some there are a handful of strikers who age really well into this sport but the ones that rely on their physicality in particular as opposed to their their skill you know, in their, in their pace, those guys have a shorter shelf life. They just do. And Calvert-Lewin has take, took a beating for years in that position for us. And the wear and tear on his body is parents. So and now you bring in a guy to help him carry that load. And that's not a 19, that 19 year old is for the future and a guy I won in the first team and getting experience this season when possible, but it's not, that's not the solution. And, and in fairness, I, get the sense Everton don't believe that that's the solution either. And so uh, they're going to try. Um, and I understand all the context uh, around finances, but they, they, there's no excuses. They've got to find a way to make it happen. They've got to find a way, even if it's getting someone who, you know, is not of the, the, the standard that they would have probably ideally liked, like there's nothing ideal about this, but you know, the, 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 the signing of Neil Mope makes so little sense uh, now, especially. And at the time, I, you know, I guess they thought, well, under Lampard's system, whatever that was, that, that he would be okay. But it's like so many of Everton's recruitment and, and overall personnel decisions over the last few seasons. There, there, there seem to be all these competing ideas. Uh, and, and so now, if you've got a synergy with Daesh having a system, which he clearly does, you have an idea of what kind of striker you want. 
you need to go out and get a striker that is of the uh, has some similar qualities but with more durability than Calvert Lewin. They tried to do that with El Bilal Torre. It didn't work out. I, I, you know, in a competitive situation, we don't have enough money to, to money with a player. He's going to choose to go to Atlanta, which is in a much better, more competitive position than we are. I get that. But they, they've just got to find if it's Ian Acho, if it's a guy, a guy off the, you know, who's a bit of a trout, you know, a, a journeyman at this point. You, you do what you do to get to next season. And that's how Everton have to live right now, unfortunately, is they've got to find a way to get to that stadium in the Premier League. And they've got to find a way to get, at, you know, clean the books up uh, as, and make progress towards that so that we can really have a true reboot again. But, you know, we're not out of this mess just yet. And, and Everton just have to be creative. And I think that's probably my biggest concern in the transfer window is that, you know, we're not the first club that have had financial difficulties. Uh, it feels that way sometimes that, that no one is, has it as hard as us. But the reality of the situation is that lots of clubs have financial difficulties, but they have been able to rely upon um, leadership within the cl- their, their club structure that have been more innovative, outside the box thinking, creative, and you know more able to, to leverage their resources. There's no one at Everton right now that get, that can argue with a straight face that they should have the benefit of the doubt from the fans that they are a creative, agile, thoughtful thinker who can work under this sort of duress. Um, I don't I, I don't think Kevin Felwell, while he remains employed, has done anything yet uh, to, to show that he knows that he's doing knows any more about what he's doing than than uh, Marcel Brands. Um, I hope he does. Part of that's the club not really telling us what the director of football at Everton does and does not do and has control of and whatever. And that's not all Kevin Thelwell's fault. But the bottom line is, is that Everton have displayed consistently over the last half decade or so that they're not really that smart when it comes to managing their resources. So now we have to hope that the combination of who is there and Sean Dyche can at least get us to a level of competency. Like Sean Dyche, I think even admitted at the end of the season in that very Frank presser that like, I think he even acknowledges and he knows that he's not really the, you know, that he's a manager for this time. And he is, and Everton want to get to this place where we play beautiful football and do all these things, but that right now they need to, you know, build these foundations and reinstill this work ethic and this identity. And I agree with him completely on that. Whether he and Kevin Thelwell and this regime as, as a whole, as they go through this potential ownership transition and move to the stadium, are creative enough to, to manage these resources well enough to get us where we need to be is remains to be seen. I do think, if, if I can be hopeful here for a minute, that while the squad is right now not as good as last season's, um, I do think that clearly the manager going into the season um, for all his faults, and there are many, um, is a much more capable practitioner than Frank Lampard. He is a much, he is someone who is very a realist, a pragmatist to a large degree. Uh, no, I don't like going through two month stretches where we don't win a game. Um, I was very concerned by some of his decision making down the stretch last season. But overall, I have much more faith going into a, you know, a siege mentality towards type season like this with a guy like, like him, than I, than I certainly did for Lampard. So, um, you know, I'm hopeful from that standpoint, but we need it. We need at least a couple more players and uh, be interesting to see if Sulemana gets over the, the, yeah. the finish line, but I, I don't, you know, we'll see. You know, I, I do agree about him being a realist and, and a pragmatist, but I, I do worry. Is, is it being a realist to look at the center box and say, we're going to be all right there. Because it, it feels like obviously yeah. they finally cottoned on about the striker. And listen, I don't think them not signing a striker was necessarily through any lack of trying. I think it was to do with all the things you said about them not being creative and agile in the market and having no money. Like I think they were the two main factors in Everton not getting a, a striker through the door. Um, but it, it it just feels as though that they've looked at that position at the back and gone, yeah, we're, we're going to be all right there. But you know, I think this is maybe a phrase you used last year, Rob, but in Yerry Mina, you've got your kind of defensive version of, of Dom, haven't you? You know, he, he's the yeah. player that is hardly ever fit, but when he does play, 
you know, he raises the level of the team in that area of the pitch so much that, you know, it it, it makes you pleased when he's playing, but it's, it's frustrating when when he's absent. And there's, there's so much talk about you know, finding somebody for Dominic Carver-Lewin and make sure we've got a replacement and, and a like-for-like option for him. And yeah, there's not that, that same reason? there's not that same urgency in in, in defence, is there? I, I don't know if that's simply based on the fact that you know centre backs don't score goals and, and aren't as glamorous and, and aren't as attractive in that sense. But I do, I just look at the squad that I, I literally just wrote wrote it down there, and you know what it could potentially be if we signed uh, Yusuf from from Sporting, and it, the defence is just it just feels like a big. You know, there's a big. It's not as big a hole as a centre four, but there's. It's not. I don't think it's. I don't think it's far off. And you, know, you mentioned there about the performances we saw from Keane and Tarkovsky together at the end of last season. I mean, Jesus Christ, that Newcastle fourth goal oh. will forever be etched in my head. And you know, Keane pointing at his own hand against Leicester that that night. You know, he just looked like a player who'd, who'd completely gone at this point. At, at that point in the season, even and, and it's it's the idea of. Going into that Fulham game with him, saying Mitrovic chews him up and, and spits him out that day. When you turn to Jara Branthwaite, who the last time he was on a football pitch in the Premier League, he got legged everywhere by Ivan Tony and sent off. And um, that's that's a bit of a worry for me as well. Listen, I, I know he's gone out alone and done really well, and we're hearing great things about him, but it's a massive step up, isn't it? And I'm, I'm yeah, sure he's he, got to do it in this league. He's got to yeah, do it. In- and, and listen, I'm sure he'll want to play, and he's been linked of. A permanent move to PSV. He's been linked to Manchester United consistently. You know that that lad's not going to want to sit on the bench, but him getting off the bench and playing is a different thing to him coming into the Premier League and playing well for what is right. going to be one of the the worst teams. And let, let let's have it right as well. It's not going to be the same style of football that he played at PSV. You know he's not going to be playing on the halfway line and yeah. carrying the ball out of the fence and using that great distribution he's got. It's going to be edge your own box, backs to the wall, head, kick everything away. So it's, it's almost, he's going to be playing a completely different style. And I think asking him to come into the team and sort of do that job straight away is a big ask. Holgate and Godfrey, you know, I, I share concerns about both of them. And, you know, Holgate looks the most likely to go out the door at this point. But I just I just think there's there's a bit of a blind spot there. And obviously there was the... the, the weird, Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 there's, there's the weird... Um, Video of Johnny Evans being mentioned on wasn't there, and oh, a few yeah. weeks ago, and you know, but like at the time, I sort of heard that and scoffed and thought, God, but, but like the more I think about it, I think like the more like that that type of sign and would would kind of make sense, you know, somebody who is better than the other centre backs we've got, maybe is a little bit older, maybe isn't quite as reliable, reliable fitness wise, and. Listen, in an ideal world, this is not the centre-back you go for. Sure. But if, you, if you're throwing all your money at centre-forward and you, you, your options are limited, you know, I think someone like that in that in that kind of mould could kind of work for us. But know. could it be... Sorry, I'll say that again. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, so you just cut out them. Go on. Just start the oh, point again. But Matt, could it not be a center half under the age of 35? Like, well, they they tend to cost money. <laughs> I I understand that. I I really do. Um, but you know, like, where's our Sylvan Distance signing? You know, like, I, I give me a guy. I, he did, I'm I'm not against a guy who's who's old, a little older, experienced, but it's got to be someone who can at least play. And I mean, you know, maybe Johnny Evans still can. Uh, he's had some injury issues too, and this, I this- think. Isn't me, by the way, saying go and sign Johnny Evans. It, it's no, sort no, of like no, but, that type of player. So let's talk about center half from this standpoint, right? Um, you know, I'm I'm happy that, like, part of the reason I'm happy Yeri is gone is because I almost want to remove him from this discussion because I think that at times it created some really bad faith arguments about the notion of risk at that position, you know, because I personally 
you know, I, I, I understand the, the need for fitness at a, at a crucial position, but I also value inherently more a guy who is, you know, borderline elite for 25 games versus a guy who's fit for 35 games, but is very bad. You know what I mean? Like fitness is great, but it's not, it is by itself not sufficient. And so, you know, with, 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 with young players, and we talk about this all the time, there's always this, and I think a lot of it is just, well, that's the way we've always thought about football or the way we've always thought about sport, which is that, well, young players present a risk. There's this risk, you know, and we, and, and I agree, of course, there's, there's risk anytime any player plays, but there's particular risk. Well, you know, young player could be prone to making a mistake. And if they make a mistake, could it affect their confidence and it could it ruin their entire career? And, you know, we go down this weird anxiety spiral of like, you know, Branthwaite's going to make a mistake in a game, which by the way, he made plenty of mistakes for us in his early games with us and yet still found a way to go to PSV and play really well and play in the Champions League and do all that. And they wanted to sign him. And so I think my, my, my contention is sort of twofold. One, that a young player failing is not a disaster. It's all about seeing how he responds to that failure and how he then learns from it. And does he build upon that to learn those lessons, internalize them and become better? Um, Secondly, when we talk about this risk of playing a young player, and I especially abhor this argument when it comes to Branthwaite versus Keane, which is, well, the risk is playing Branthwaite. Well, I would argue the risk is playing Michael Keane. You know why? Because unlike Branthwaite, I know what I'm getting out of Michael Keane. I know the level of play, which is occasionally pretty decent and then then it is inevitably followed up with disastrous moments and it's not like Keen is just kind of going through a little patch of this this is who he is pretty much since he got to Everton right and the times that he has played best ironically even though I remember people saying it would never work when he was playing with Yerry Mina when he was playing with another you know really strong yeah. personality Zuma was probably the best Bert, he played wasn't it Bert yeah. Zuma the best he ever played and so you know the, to me I, you know I rate Tarkovsky as the epitome of the rock solid performer Tarkovsky certainly had plenty of moments where he made mistakes that ultimately didn't go get punished. Uh, and therefore we don't remember him as being as mistake prone, but he's got some mistakes in him, but overall Tarkovsky is a guy that you can rely upon. He's going to give you a six and a half, seven out of 10. Every time he goes out there, he, he stays fit. That's, that is a, that is one problem that I don't have to worry about is Tarkovsky. But what we know is that the center half position, we talk about this on the Blue Room all the time, Matt, is that the center half position is more about partnerships than individuals sometimes. And um, that's mostly true. I think that individuals sometimes make a huge difference. But what I would say is that the keen tarkovsky combo, we've seen, we've seen a, we saw a very long stretch of that under Sean Dyche and we saw the results and, you know, we, we, we persisted with it almost to the point of the manager cutting off the nose despite his face to prove he was right until he finally felt the real pressure of, oh my God, what if we get relegated? And I've got to, you know, break glass and get Yerry Mina out here. And so now Yerry Mina is gone. So forget him in this conversation. It's now a question of, do you want to, and I don't, and I expect him to start this first game. My, the, the question will be, how long does the manager say things like, well, Branthwaite is young and he's still developing in this game. Or he says things like, well, he didn't have a full preseason. Like we're going to hear those, those usual cliche tropes from Daesh about why he, you know, there's always a reason to not give a young player a chance. But my point is simply that give, continuing to give players a chance that are consistently underperforming and that are of a certain age where they're not, you already know everything you need to know about Michael Keane. Like we, we always, we used to talk about this back in, you know, I mean, we've been bad for a long time, Matt, but we used, I used to always say like the, if there's a good, uh, if there's an upside to being a bad team, it's that you at least get an opportunity within that to find out what you've got with certain players. Well, I already know what I've got with Michael Keane. And if I'm going to get mistakes from Michael Keane, I'd rather get those same mistakes for a period of time with Jared Branthwaite 
where at least I know that with Jared Branthwaite, there's an upside here and there are things that he can add. And there, there is a development there because Jared Branthwaite's development isn't even necessarily about him becoming a great Everton player as much as I'd love to believe that part of it is yes, this season. And part of it is also cultivating an asset that given he is English and he is six foot five and he is a center half with Champions League experience could net us a ton of money at some point. But that asset does not develop. That asset does not develop either as a player or as a, a financial asset by sitting on the bench for Michael Keane, of all people, who has done nothing Nothing to earn this benefit of the doubt that seemingly only one person has in him, and that is Sean Dyche. That blind spot is the thing that keeps me up at night in regards to Everton's fortunes for this season. My hope is that it doesn't take Keane having to have a four or five game calamitous stretch where we dropped all these points that were unnecessary in order for him to finally give Jerry Brandt away the chance. That's my fear. I hope it doesn't come to that. But to your point, we let Mina go, and the idea was, well, we need to save all this money. We're not paying him. And then what do we do? Well, we haven't invested any more in the center half position. That scares me. I don't need, you know, we brought up Johnny Evans, and we're laughing, but it'll probably happen now that we've laughed about it. But with Johnny Evans, I need a, I need an experience. You know, the, Connor Cody is the type of player with his age and experience profile is not the wrong idea. The, the the problem with Connor Cody is that he's just not a fit for Everton's the way Everton play. And, and he's not a guy who's good in the air. He's he's shorter, blah, blah, blah. Well, Mason Holgate and Ben Godfrey are also short center halves who aren't good fits for this system either. So now you've got really two guys that body type wise or, or profile wise, at least in theory, fit with this system in Keane and Tarkovsky and Branthwaite, who, while being more progressive as a player, we know he can play in the air because he's tall he can be physical like I'm not worried about those things the problem is is that right now there is this pressure to where you know it, it's become this dichotomy of Keane versus Branthway my contention is that it needs to be another experienced center half who's better than Keane so that Keane is your fourth center half and you really are just breaking glass in case of emergency to get him on the pitch and that then it becomes a discussion of this. We've got a Johnny. I'm using Johnny Evans as our placeholder. I've got a Johnny Evans guy who's going to play play with Tarkovsky for now, who is going to basically give way because he's a stopgap to Branthwaite. Whereas my my fear with Michael Keane is that there's this personal connection. This I think Michael Keane is almost this this like microcosm of Dice wanting to prove that he's right. And I worry that 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 that's the hill he wants to die on. And by the way, he's not the first Everton manager. I mean, I, my oh, God, no. Roberto Martinez wanted to die on the Tim Howard Hill as well. Like we we have managers like this, but it, it just it, there's I don't understand. I, I feel like in the last days in the market, surely, surely there is a deal that can be done at a reasonable price. For a center half who does not have to be great, he has to be better than Michael Keane that can come in here and give Branthwaite, you know, Branthwaite and this squad the sort of depth that it needs to get through a season. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I think like someone like Harry Maguire would be ideal, I think. Right. I mean, I don't love Harry Maguire and his wages, but I would absolutely take Harry Maguire for a season or yeah. whatever it takes, you know, in order for 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 this to for us to not to see Michael Keane play. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's, yeah, it's. I think it's it's tricky, and I think no, I, I agree with everything you said about Branthwaite and, and making mistakes and how it's you know Keane making mistakes is not as beneficial as, as Branthwaite making mistakes and like the, the, the funny sort of way. But you're right about the long term. But I think I mean there's there's two things that are maybe different in. I imagine how Sean Dice sees it. One is that it's it's centre back, and I think that that is a position that, in general, managers are much more reluctant to to trust players who are who are younger. Now, I I remember when Stone started his first game for Everton. It was Stoke away, and he was nineteen. And the idea that a player playing centre back that young was like a shock to me. He's like nineteen years old and, and playing there. Wow, well, not yeah. I mean, obviously he, he's turned out all right, hasn't he? He was he was clearly a special talent and it wasn't that much of a risk to to play him there. But but I think the other thing as well is that you know and, and again you're right. I remember shows that we knew were doing 
February, March, where the season was over, and we were like, well, let's play Adam or Luckman and see. Adam what can, Luckman. Yes, yeah. yes. Like, well, let's see what Nikola Vlasic can do. And, you know, we, there's nothing to lose. Let, let's learn as much as we can about these lads between now and the end of the season. And, and, and we never did. But I think the, the thing that we're in now is that we are sort of on such a tightrope that we can't do that because we're going to probably be near the bottom of the league again. And I and I think that Daesh and I think probably 90% of managers in that situation, their default setting is always going to be go back to experience. And yeah, like that, that that's just that's just how it is. And I think it's but if the experience is all bad is mostly bad, I think that's my contention. Yeah. But, but I think I think I think we can we can sit here now and I, again I totally agree with everything you said. But I think with a manager like him. He will, he will just revert back to that experience, I think. Um, unless listen, unless we've got a situation like the last day of last season where we had no strikers, no fullbacks, and it, it all just had to be a little bit wild. But in in that spell last season when the pressure really bit and we had you know, we had to win games to sort of stay up and, and whatever, like he think he, he went away from Keane. And even in even in that last game of the season where we played three centre backs, it, it was Cody ahead of Michael Keane, wasn't it? And and Keane was only going to come out at the end. So I just find that real that dynamic interest. You know, how's how's Keane going to feel about that as well? You know, a player who has notoriously got fragile confidence and can be very much up and down in that sense. You know, is he going to be able to just forget about that and move on? Is he going to feel as though you know, this manager who we trust? I think there's, there's a lot of play there, but I think ultimately it all comes down to, in my opinion, the need to get another body through the door to be. Yeah, a yeah. reliable partner for, for James Tarkovsky. And then it's the Shea Adams argument for Calvert Lewin, right? Like yeah. the difference is, is that, you know, it's not about, um, you know, with Calvert Lewin, it's about, well, injuries, you've got to have at least one more player you can put in there. I think though, that with the center half position, it's, it's a case of, you know, this is not about, this is just simply protecting yourself from a depth standpoint from the sorts of calamity that we seem to be persistently dealing with for the last two seasons, because we were so thin at positions that we've been playing guys out of position. We've been playing non-strikers as strikers, you know, like it's, it's been wild. And so part of bringing stability to a, a club and to a, a squad that has known nothing but chaos is to just kind of, not create problems of your own making when when it can be avoided and some of that is not to be too cute here but like signing enough solid players at key positions that play that position um you know and 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 i think that what makes this tough is that the discussion of the rightful discussion by the way of needing goals and striker and and all of these things which should certainly be front of mind for us has somewhat obfuscated this discussion about center half which i think is also somewhat you know clouded a discussion about the midfield that i don't think i think that is worth having uh when it comes to like i'm just going to throw this out i i i I, I feel okay. Like I would prefer that Onana play further back in more of a you know traditional six type role um, in front of the defense. I think he can play better that way. But it's it's sort of like the discussion about you know it, it's whenever you're talking about constantly having to you know plug your fingers in one hole uh, and you almost have to ignore the others that are there. They don't get talked about as much. The the thing with the striker position has you know kind of obfuscated the discussion about the center half position. And then, you know, then we've got midfield where you, we went through long periods of time where I think we all acknowledge that Adrissa Gay was having a very bad season for long stretches of last season. And now he's just back and he's going to start. And I think that people don't even talk about it. And, and I think that we're going to have one of those seasons where, things will continue to just pop up at every position because of depth issues or quality issues. And I, I, what I'm hopeful of is that if you could at least do some very basic things, sign just an average center half, an average striker to back up Calvert-Lewin and or to play a decent number of games and and no one's under the illusion we're going to be competing for Europe. But what you can do by at least solidifying some of those is then it gives you, it puts you in a position to probably deal with 
the kind of unforeseen crises that we'll have in injury areas and other parts of the squad. But, you know, right now it does, I think I, I always used, I like to admit or that we're probably seeing an incomplete picture of the squad right now. That's my hope. But I will say that you've got all these dynamics going at once. We don't have a backup striker. I don't think anyone believes that the kid, the 19-year-old kid is going to be the backup striker. So the intention is to get a backup striker, but we don't have him yet. We have the dynamic of Damari Gray wanting to leave. We have um, Dwight McNeil, whose injury I could be very serious. We don't, we just haven't heard much about it. And again, that's this club's policy of just, I mean, we're going to be asking Daesh every week for what, two months if McNeil's training or if he's good, you know, like, why do we have to live this way? Why can't he just say he's going to be out for two months or whatever? I'd love to know that now so that we could at least wrap our heads around it. And then you have, you know, a midfield where we just kind of are, are going again with the same guys. Um, I, I want to see James Garner actually have some time to develop, but there's also the notion that, it, you know, if Patterson doesn't step up his game or if he gets injured again, and I'm hoping that, that those were just come kind of freak injuries that, well, now Garner's your right back. And uh, because who knows when Coleman, you know, Coleman will be back when he's back. And then the left back position is nothing to write home about, but, uh, we already feel like we're, you know, probably going to be starting, uh, Ashley, Young. <laughs> Ashley Young may be starting there. Like it's just, there's just a lot of balls in the air, if you will, right now with this squad. And when you've got less, you know, single digit days to go to the beginning of the season, and there are still so many unanswered questions, that's tough. But then when you think about the questions that are quote answered, like Michael Keane or like Idrissa Gay, like some of the answers aren't to those questions aren't great either. And so I just, I'm hopeful that this season is less chaotic, but the squad needs some very basic reinforcements to avoid, you know, uh, avoid more of the same. It just yeah. does. But you get With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Interesting, like you said about questions that are answered, like, I'm just trying to think, like, who, who's nailed on to start, like, next week so you've got Pickford Tarkovsky Pickford Tarkovsky Ashley Young will be on the pitch somewhere won't you'd imagine probably yeah uh, Awobi's going to definitely start somewhere um, yeah. I would assume that Garner Gay will play Gay will play even though Am I crazy for thinking that I would rather like I really don't like a scenario where Onana is on the bench. I just don't. I I why can't Onana be the guy sitting right in front of the defense? He's better, he seems better in that position than getting forward. Well, I think I think I think what you what you could have is in week one if McNeil is injured. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he just played James Garner, like tucked in off the, the wing, like on the right, and then we moved to the left or something like that. And then you've got space for an honor to come into midfield. Yeah. Like, that kind of setup. But, but like but like even now, like you look at that team, you think it's probably like, what five players you could say would definitely play and, and everybody else is kind of you know, Dan Zuma will probably be on the pitch somewhere. Decore will. Um, probably and where are goals coming from in that group i mean dan juma is more of a playmaker than a scorer is that fair to say yeah he's what you want yeah you need playmakers god knows this thing needs playmakers but we don't um, we don't really have any of that do we either so like it's it's not a McNeil to a degree and he can score goals but mcneil is you know i don't anticipate he's going to be around for a bit depending on you know i last thing we heard was they the injury may be worse than they feared and that's always ominous with everton so i i don't know what that means um i doubt very much we'll see him on saturday against sporting anyway well, McNeil? No, I yeah. doubt we're going to see McNeil 
for the first month of the season based on some of the rumblings. But again, I don't know. The fact that I'm sitting here having to guess is silly. Uh, they know the <laughs> diagnosis. They just don't want to share it. And there's no literal competitive advantage, I think, to hiding that information. But, you know, whatever. <sighs> yeah. Um, but yeah, to your point, that 11 is is kind of half-baked because you expect, and this is as usual for Everton, we're going to do a lot, you know, if we, if we do business, it'll be done really late. And then I, I think the, I think this is where the, and, and Daesh is not the only one who does this, Matt, but I think we have that obstinance factor that we fear, which is we sign a new player, two new players, and then they don't play for a long time because they have to get to Daish's level of fitness. So they have to get to Daish's level of trust. And then, you know, much less Branthwaite, who's actually, you know, been been at the club for a long, you know, for a while, even though I know he was out, you know, gone last season, uh, you know, bringing new players in, um, it, it, they you've got to find a way to integrate them somewhat quickly. Now, that's why I tend to believe that the tar- the remaining targets for Everton are going to be the types that are the, quote, experienced Premier League performer types. Now, the, the Suleimana thing, I was going to ask your opinion on that. So the, the, the Suleimana thing, we were linked to him in January. I remember that pretty clearly. Southampton won because, you know, they had money to spend and we didn't. And so now they've been relegated and they, I think is the option, is it, it's just a discussion of a one-year loan, right? I don't yeah, even I think so. a loan with an option or anything like that. We, so you know, we're, we're basically going after all the players that turned us down in January. Yeah, <laughs> it's a San weird Juma. thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and him, yeah. Suleimana, yeah. Uh, Shea, like Shea, like Shea Adams, we tried for last summer, I believe. Uh, you know, it's... Uh, you know, and that's the thing is that is uh, when players work out or they don't work out or they go through these regime think changes, it's been weird, hasn't it? How players that we targeted that didn't come to us, they we eventually revisit them. It does suggest that the manager is less involved with the recruitment and that there is more of a club approach to it. Like Dwight McNeil, if, if you recall, we signed him under Lampard, but we'd been linked to him the year before, I think under, was it Rafa, I guess, like, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, so the club, club recruitment, what, whomever is left in that staff has some ideas here, but, um, you know, the, the, the manager is going to have to, I don't think he'll have a choice. He's going to have to play players who come in, but I just, I think that's the big, the open question right now is I would love if, if you're going to lose Damari Gray, I'm very uncomfortable with letting him go when you, when you don't have Dwight McNeil fit for, and you know, an undetermined period of time, you already kind of needed a winger. You know, we never replaced Anthony Gordon anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I guess, I guess now you could say that uh, Danjuma is the wing replacement. Is he a wing or kind of a off the striker type? I mean, he's a little positionally versatile, but, but Damari Gray going without having a, like it, to me, it's gotta be Suleiman is coming in and Gray goes and you try to make it work until McNeil comes back and you hope that you can and and I just I'm a little fearful of of how narrow like I know that you play these four midfielders across like depending on the formation but I still feel like that's a a characteristically narrow squad in terms of their ability to really push with pace on those edges and and hey I'm never gonna I still to this day like I know Awobi has played at every position and and he's a guy who's overall been very you know consistent the last year and a half to two seasons or so but I worry that like I still would prefer Awobi's not playing a week he's not a winger to me and so it 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 just feels it, it feels a bit disjointed but um I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. I think, I think the needs are clear, Matt. I think if we can come to any conclusion at the end of this pod today, it's that, look, the needs are pretty clear. It's good that we, you know, the Ashley Young thing, I roll my eyes out a bit because he's 38 years old, but look, if he's a guy who can stay fit and he's a utility player and play multiple positions, you need guys like that. Um, the Dan Juma thing is a good thing overall, I think, because it's no risk. It's a loan. We have yet to make a permanent signing this summer. Um, and our first one is going to be a striker um, who, hey, good. We need young, young strikers. We can develop asset management, all that stuff, but is not a guy you can count on. I'm waiting for us to make our first permanent signing of a player who will contribute to this starting 11 at some, you know, 
forceful point of the season. And that's, uh, you know, that's going to be real key. Um, they're, they're working with very few assets and I understand that, but, um, you know, how we do, uh, how we do this and how we pull this off is something that will be uh, interesting to watch over the next uh, few weeks. Yeah. It feels like the squad's going to look so different week one compared to September the 1st. Um, which is which is how which is how it how it is so often for us. But do, do you think it'll look that different? Like, I, yeah, I guess yeah. I'm wondering. Well, Calvert Lewin. So when's Calvert Lewin supposed to? Well, he played he played 45 minutes against Monza, didn't he? Behind closed doors. But like, well, I be in the squad for Fulham, even if he doesn't start, probably. Yeah, right? you'd, you'd hope so. Yeah, but like, I got I saw looking at it, like I think Gray could go. I think I think he is going to go. It, it still wouldn't surprise me if Iwobi went. Like if someone came in for him. Um, really? Mope, Mope could go. I think Tom Cannon will probably go on loan again. Um, Lewis Dobbin has looked good, but you know, probably go on loan again. I reckon. You know, you've got Anana there, it's all quieting down, but could some, like it yeah, feels like it feels like, it feels like there's still a lot of things that could happen here. So, they, yeah, I, all of those are feasible. So I don't want to dismiss them out of hand because I, I mean, look, the the Onana chatter was pretty heavy, you know, at certain points last season, but I, I kind of, and, and I do ultimately think Onana is, 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 if I had to make a guess, I would say Onana is here for this season and then gone, but it would shock me to sell Onana and Awobi. So think about how many minutes Onana and Awobi played last season. Like I'm just thinking in terms of guys who played a lot of minutes and a lot of time. Like the thing about Awobi is you can be underwhelmed by him if you want, but I think he pretty much puts out a very consistent level of overall play and he's fit always fit and so like remember i think at one point there was an injury where we thought oh my god we've lost a wobi and then he was back like yeah, the it was united year. in the cup wasn't it yeah. he's that guy and i just don't think you can take for granted those types of players and i understand that it may be a situation where the club feels like well his contract's running down we've got to make some money but they better have something to bring in i think that's the thing is i everton have so sabotaged our faith in you know it's not that we don't think Everton can sell players and they can one-off buy them but I think where Everton really struggle and what we have the least amount of faith in is Everton's ability to kind of manage multiple things at once right the ability to be like all right, we've got this deal for Awobi, but we've got this corresponding player to bring in. And so, you know, that's the struggle and that's where, where I'm, I'm fearful. But yeah, you're right. Anything could happen. And uh, it's why we love the transfer window uh, and we hate the transfer window and all of that. But <sighs> yeah. well, Matt, I know uh, you're, you need to wrap up. I just want to say really quickly, Matt, uh, before we wrap up um, and, you know, look, I, and I decide I kind of planted my flag flag in the ground. There will absolutely be times, uh, especially when we win our first four games. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to be freaking out that I want to say something and I want to be on the podcast. And I I kind of planted my flag that I was doing this, and I want to stick to it. I need to I need to take a step back from uh, from getting all worked up about Everton on a podcast for just a little bit. You know, I think the idea is I just want to take this season and maybe see if I can. It would sure be good to to kind of love an Everton side again, or to really feel affection towards them, and 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 it just it's been so long, and and I think maybe stepping back from it would help me uh, do that. But uh, I just want to say it has been an absolute pleasure and uh, a, a you know a privilege to to get on you know most weeks with with you and the rest of the guys, um, it's and girls, and it's. It's uh, it's been greater than the sum of its parts because of our friendships and uh, the brotherhood that we've developed. And I think that um, we're united in talking about this terrible football club uh, in a way <laughs> is so special. Um, but I want to tell uh, those of you out there who have listened to me and or interacted with me on Twitter, um, you know, at least most of you, um, that I, I appreciate you, uh, kind of welcoming me, me, the, uh, 
weird sounding American into this mix uh, and embrace me as much as you have. That's actually surprised me to a large degree. Um, I'm the first to admit that I rarely know what I'm really talking about. And that I'm mostly just speaking from, from the gut, and, you know, most of the time, but hopefully I've brought some decent perspective to this, but I love Everton. I love this club for better or worse. I certainly love our family, our Everton family. And um I am. I have already in the last few months missed these conversations, um, and I'll be back at some point to do it. But I think I will come back and be way better for it, and hopefully, a podcaster <laughs> for having taken some time away. And I'll probably have way too many thoughts uh, to share at that point. But I'll still be on Twitter or X or whatever you know the midlife crisis billionaire man boy has named it uh throughout the next several months or a year or whatever i'll still be on there talking about everton to a degree but uh just wanted to matt uh mm-hmm. you know you dave and patty especially but you especially my friend uh done more shows with you and done more everton chat with you than anyone else and i love you and i appreciate you and uh the the, the whole everton uh twitterverse and the whole Everton podcasting world uh, is so fortunate to have you. And that's why the Blue Room is still the king of the mountain when it comes to Everton podcasts. It's a it's a shit mountain, but it's our shit mountain. And uh, <laughs> we, are, we are the kings of it. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I've got to be part of it. So thank you, brother. Oh, beautifully, beautifully said. And uh, <laughs> if you'd like to hear Rob next season, do check out the, the Fiorentina room. I'm sure he'll be making regular Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to learn about about Italian football in a way that I never have. Oh, man. Fiorentina are a good team as well. Great kit. They're going to be in the conference, the Farmers League this year. I can't wait. Uh, Amazing. I'm going to, and by the way, and and you're wearing a purple shirt right now that's for definitely for another team, but I am, first of all, Yeri's going to look fantastic in purple. And and so that, of course, means that I will look fantastic in purple. You're going to get Fiorentina shirt with his name on. Oh, I mean, is that even a question? Of course. (laughs) Absolutely. I've got a Columbia shirt, so I'm absolutely getting one of of these. Ironically, I don't have a Yeri Mina Everton shirt. And I don't know why that is. I think... I think I just I have so many Everton shirts that my my you know bandwidth to buy more has just always been yeah. is not a good number to have on the back of a shirt. I don't think I don't think it ever looks good. I think it looked good on him. He kind of owned he kind of owned it though. It's always been his number though. Yeah, I wonder if he'll have the same one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe well, he'll be like number three over there. I have no idea. We'll see. Yeah. Centre back should be four, five, or six. That's it, really. Oh, uh, here we go with the new. Yeah. We're not. We're not. We're not going to go. We're not going to get into this again. We'll, we'll save this <laughs> for next summer when you're back on. That's uh, right. <laughs> I'll see you guys next summer. It's been yeah. awesome. Cheers to Rob. Uh, transfer show. Be back again next week with Green Mick back off his holidays, but really enjoyed that. Cheers for listening. Up the toppies. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.